welcome to this week's episode of Let's Talk Design. As I mentioned on my LinkedIn, but you may have missed, I will be changing the name from Let's Talk ID to Let's Talk Design. The reason for this is the podcast is going to be branching out and discussing many different topics all over various disciplines. That means we'll have architects, we'll have graphic designers, industrial designers, UX designers, as I believe that all designers, they speak the unique language of design and across disciplines is not a, is not a far stretch. That means that the topics will be much more broad and we will go into all sorts of different topics. So it's a very exciting time and I hope you enjoy the next phase of the podcast. And along with the change of name and the change of topic, uh, the branding has been changed of the podcast. And I'm very thankful that Dan Armstrong from Forms Well Design has helped me out with the branding and he offered um, at no cost to you know offer his services to the podcast as he believes in the podcast and he believes in um, in what I'm doing with the with the podcast trying to you know get more design out there um, and yeah he's, he's willing to help out and do all the branding so I hope you enjoy the branding I, re- I really like it personally I asked um, pretty much exactly what he came up with and um, you know he, he took what my ideas and just went with it and I'm really happy with with how it um, went and yeah if you're if you're looking for industrial design or graphic design um, Dan Armstrong with Forms World Design is doing some great work out of Canberra I wasn't even aware of their consultancy before Dan reached out to me on Instagram. Yeah, I, I definitely would recommend um, yeah, anyone who's looking for graphic design or industrial design services. He also does animations and a whole bunch of different things to reach out and yeah, check out Forms Well Design. A link to his website will be in the description and his Instagram if you'd like to check it out. This week on Let's Talk Design, we have founder of Forms Well Design, Dan Armstrong. Dan Armstrong is a very experienced industrial designer who's worked in the industry for many years, uh, working for Breville back in the day. Um, and then through his career, moving back to Canberra and establishing his consultancy, Forms Well Design, where he's doing some great work with the Canberra government and a whole bunch of different organizations, you know, just true old fashioned industrial design. And yeah, he's, um, it was, I really enjoyed talking to Dan and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Thank you so much to, for coming on, Dan. It's really great to have people reach out from around Australia who are interested to, you know, come on the podcast and share what they share their thoughts. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, Roman. Um, thanks so much for having me. Um, like I mentioned to you previously, um, I've listened to a bunch already, and geez, with something that I've always actually thought about and wanted to to hear more about, especially in Australia. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as you know, industrial design is a small industry, and it's a really cool and great industry. And the more we talk about it, the more we, you know, kind of share our thoughts and knowledge. I think the better. So yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I um, I originally started kind of going off and interviewing people from overseas a lot, um, but with my full time job, I've kind of brought it back home. But that's kind of what I wanted to do anyway, because I feel like you know you can find podcasts around about the designers overseas, but sometimes the designers in Australia are quite hard to you know they they're not really out there speaking in public, so it's sometimes nice to hear hear their perspective. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I think um. Another thing, I think Nathan from Catapult really hit a good, um, a couple of really good points on the idea of collaboration and talking to each other more. I think, hmm. um, you know, historically we might not have because it feels like a competition <laughs> and business is a bit like that, you know, especially other industries. Um, you kind of, the quieter you are, the better. But I think it's, if you think the opposite, it's it's great. It's, it's a nice way to, nice way to be. We can all learn from it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially in consultancies, I feel like, because they're always very low, very small scale. Sometimes, you know, the it, it becomes a bit competitive trying to get the work, and you know, feeling like if you share the secret, maybe someone else will get that work. But yeah, yeah, 
No, I think um, the opposite. I think if yourself as a as an industrial designer that's still in that sort of junior phase and anyone else below you and above you, if, we're, if there's more of that happening, I think the better from, I'm going to benefit from that as well as, you know, all, all you guys. I think we all benefit from it because if we can grow it and make it better, bigger and better, um, yeah. it's, it's only a good thing, you know. Yeah, definitely. I think the um, analogy of um, we've got a few cafes that we've worked for down here in the past and we've talked about that, like the strip of cafes in the street. Um <laughs> The idea that used to be like if you want to be the only cafes that you take all the business mm. and where they're finding, you know, if there's 10 on one street, they're all doing better because it's actually a hub and it's people know where to go. Yeah. So benefit from it. So I think that might be the same, hopefully, in, in industrial design. Yeah. And I mean, I suppose work to your differences, not necessarily to your similarities, like work towards the, having a differentiator as a consultancy opposed to just trying to get the work from someone else who maybe would be better at doing a certain thing. And I think yeah. once people are there and they understand why they're there and what industrial design is or, you know, where to find those cafes, then they've got options and choice and that's a good thing and they're there and they understand. At least they're there in the first place, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're just not there in the first place or if they just don't understand design at all and don't know how to use it for their business or uh, the government doesn't understand how the, how amazing industrial design can be for, for, for you know, for Australia then in the first place, we haven't even gotten to that point where we've got the worry of, you know, um, of too, of maybe too much competition or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, maybe just to start off, would you like to talk to your background as industrial designer and maybe discuss what Formswell is? What forms yeah, well? Sure. Um, yeah, I started um, thinking about industrial design. Uh, an old girlfriend was into it. She was at UC in Canberra here and um and I just thought, wow, that's... I went in there one day and I saw these little, little models and things. And it was so cool. And I was like, I've never heard of this. I don't know what it is, but it's I, I like it. And um, kind of forgot about it for a year or two and moved to Perth and did a few other things and didn't know what I was doing. And I was skydiving all the time. And I was starting to think about being a stuntman. And uh, <laughs> that was on the cards. And then I just kind of got to a point where I'm like, all right, I need to get serious now. I've been away from school for a few years. I'm going to be a stuntman or this thing that I saw, which I really think, which I really like, and I'm creative and I, I like I like the idea of it. So I went for the industrial design thing and I'm glad I did. Mm. My body probably would have lasted 10 years, you know, in, in stunt, being a stuntman. Um, and, yeah, applied for University of Canberra as a as a older student, like a 21-year-old, and got in and um, it was the best thing I ever did because um, that's where I've met all my best mates and... Mm. And a whole bunch of things. So yeah, I came back to Canberra and just did four years. And it used to be, I'm not sure if for you, Roman, if it was three years. Well, um we did three years, but I did double degree with marketing, so it ended up being five years. But yeah. Right. Yeah. Marketing's a good one to do in, in mm. conjunction. That's that's a good idea. Smart. Um yeah, so it was it was always just four years. You had no choice, you did do mm. four years. Um and at the end I did honors and I got first class honors, so that kind of helped. Um that was all good. And a good thing that happened to me was in second year, um, Bottles of Australia, a company that was based down here that's now in Sydney, um, they came to the class and and presented the idea of doing a um, a whole semester on a, as a project for them. Mm. And I think it was smart on their behalf because they got free design out of it and they got, you know, 38 students, 38 ideas, you know, um, and... It was great for us because we got exposure and they came in, gave us a brief, gave us a few months and 
um basically the end of it me and my one of my best mates we won um the 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 opportunity to then go and work with um bottles of australia sort of in the holidays and around Mm. you know and on weekends and things we sort of made it happen uh and we just took our designs to to the next level and got them to um got them through to manufacturing and they hit the market and that was by end of you know second and then into third year we had a product on the market it was like whoa that was it blew my mind i thought that was so cool Mm. and then they asked us to do a whole bunch more and then we we did the bottle carrier, uh, which is now used in the NRL and the AFL. You see it on the TV all the time. Yep. We, did, we managed to pull that off in fourth year in like one of the computer rooms. Not in a computer room, actually. The, it was all getting fixed up and we had to go into um, the air conditioning room for over summer holidays and almost killed us and we got it done. So a lot of CAD and um, getting it, getting that product, product ready for for tooling and things hmm. um but by the end of, so that means meant that you know i got to i got to uh end of the year uh, the four years and was looking for my first job and i had a couple of products on the market which is you know i felt really grateful for that and um and then i was lucky enough to go up to sydney um sort of a week after our exhibition no sorry we had an exhibition we were really quite a good year um and we pushed for three exhibitions so we did one in melbourne Mm. One in Canberra and one in Sydney. Wow. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Mm. It was like 25 of us and we all, and, and that year has been great. Like there's a lot of guys in London working now and all around Australia and doing great things. Mm. Um, and a whole bunch of us worked at Breville at one point as well. And yeah, we all, um, we created a traveling or packable, you know, exhibition that we could do that. And a bunch of people got uh, jobs from the Melbourne one, a bunch couple from Canberra, I think, and a whole bunch from Sydney. So it really worked and uh, it really paid off. And I was lucky enough to get approached by HWI, so Homewares International, who were owned by Breville at the time. Um, so everything that Breville did that wasn't didn't have a motor in it, so, you know, everything for the kitchen. Um, and I started that role. And within a week of starting, I was in China. It was like I didn't yeah. even know why I, was, why I was going to China. I just... The CEO went, you're going to China? And I was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, so it was pretty, pretty nuts. And then a few months later, I was in India. Um, and then, so I was just really lucky in that way. It was just a sort of a wild time and it was, it was all happening really quickly. I didn't really know what I was doing, but, mm. you know, something that I'd always say to people is don't um, try not to, <laughs> sometimes the people telling you what to do don't know why you're doing it. So just, just do it and <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> doing is better than worrying and not doing, you know, so um yeah so then um that i was at housewares international um traveling to the u.s a fair bit as well because we had an office over there and we we're selling uh, a lot of the brands that internet housewares international owned um brands like baccarat and arca steel and the breville homewares side of things uh into the u.s market so getting understanding for what the marketing team in america wanted um as well as what we're doing here in Australia and understanding how to transfer that in your what you're designing, mm. um, which I found really useful later on in life and especially now. Um, and then, um, yeah, I was about three years doing that and then that business got sold and the whole thing and all the, all the brands within it got sold around Australia and they're still going, those brands like Canbrook and things. Yep. They... But they um they 
they kind of got moved off into different companies and that the main housewares went uh, went got sold off and Breville was across the road in Botany in Sydney mm. and I would go across there every day almost to use their 3D printer. I got to know, know the guys. Mm. So um, I was lucky out of about 180 people that that left, uh, I, I was probably the only, me and another girl, I think, got a position the next day at Breville. Mm. So I grabbed my laptop and a few other things and I walked across the road and <laughs> started started at Breville the next day. So I was really yeah. lucky. Well, it's 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 an interesting journey you've gone on. Like I feel like you've had a very fast track journey. Yeah, the first few yeah. years was, and and looking back, it was stressful. I'd have to say it was at, at the time I thought I wasn't going to be able to do it. I was like, oh, I'm so scared, and I'm going to China. I don't know why, and I've got like all this, you know, I've got a whole bunch of designs in front of me. But how do I do that next thing? Because I hadn't seen it before. I hadn't gone through at least even six months of knowing how that works. Mm. Uh, I just kind of went. And then I kind of almost created an itinerary for myself to go, okay, let's try and ask them if they can do this and and this and this and get something out of this trip. Because mm. um, I'm not sure if my boss understands what it is that he, he's, you're an industrial designer, go to China and do your thing. And that, that was kind of, that was sort of how it started. So it was really interesting. Um, yeah. But yeah, as the China trips progressed, that was, or yeah, it obviously, they all meant something after a while and we we, were, we knew what we were doing. But the first one or two trips was definitely you know, mm. <laughs> figuring out as I went. Yeah. Well, um, what what brought a, what brought about forms well? Uh well, so I was at Breville then for about geez, five or six years. Um, I think it was, and then um uh, designing uh like um uh, food processes, um sandwich presses, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you're typically on a project for about a year and from a sketch right through to production, it might be a year to 18 months. Um, and within that year going to China and sometimes America um, and, and um, until that, that product launches. So I was doing that and then wanted to get out of Sydney and we moved back to Canberra. And the first thing I did when I got back to Canberra was realise that there's no industrial design here pretty much. Mm. Um, and the first thing I did was get pro- probably one of the only jobs you can get here, which is um, working at Questacon. Have you have you ever been to Questacon? <laughs> it's kind of if you, as a you know year eight student, ever went to Canberra as a for a field trip. I didn't know. Um, yeah. Uh, well, if you did, and it was mostly kind of probably people from New South Wales did it. Mm. I, I certainly did when I so I didn't grow up in Canberra. Um, you'd go to Questacon, which is like the science kind of place you know it's where kids can learn about science and interact with science and it's really fun and mm. uh, the government um i think pretty much runs it and has the funding to do so every year uh it was a gift from japan in the 80s i think um yeah so i worked there as an industrial designer and created a few uh, designed a few um exhibitions and that was only a six-month contract, so but it got me sort of a bridge over to into Canberra or somewhere different outside of um, Sydney, and then um, and then I had to figure out what the hell I was going to do, and I just didn't. I was going to give up industrial design, which kind of one freaked me out, two was kind of sad to do that because it was an amazing. And I just thought, well, what do I do? I just get a job, I guess, and mm. live in Canberra. And I was like, that lasted about three days, and then. Uh, I just started doing little jobs for people. Um, and I'll, a person from Sydney that I knew had a little thing to do and I spent two days on it and charged a small amount of money and then something else and something else. And it just kind of really 
quietly grew. And then I went and worked for Bottles of Australia that we did that um, competition with. And they, um, they, yeah, I was there for like three days a week, which is, if it was, if I was to give anyone some um, advice on starting your own design business, it would be maybe just balance it for a bit, mm. pay the bills, pay the bills with a, with a job that you, that gives, gives some stability and some money, but mm. definitely give yourself a few days a week to work on other things and, cram it all in until you slowly pour more time and effort into the the thing you really want to be doing and that, that's exactly what i did for about three years and then um and then started form well yeah well, that's awesome yeah i mean to be honest when you messaged me on instagram i didn't even realize there was any consultancies in canberra um but <laughs> but you know it's great like what, what kind of design scene is there in canberra now has it developed and has it developed because of your business or is there other businesses around it um, definitely has developed big time. So the thing that's happening here in Canberra is furniture design, I'd mm. say, uh, primarily. And I'd say that's probably a little bit everywhere and possibly in Australia, especially Melbourne, fair bit up there in Brisbane. But um, Tom's skiing, so skiing um, and a whole bunch of others, he's he's probably really driving and leading it. Um, there's a heap of it and it's really beautifully designed usually it's quite high end so renee that works for formswell he's does a side project which is called furnished forever and they do amazing stuff as well mm. selling internationally and all around australia and um yeah i think the reason is because um it's accessible you know you can you can as an industrial designer create uh, or designs some some simple and functional furniture to start off with um at least uh, and get that made like locally. You can source a, a guy that welds. You can mm. source an, an, a holsterer. You can source a timber guy, uh, usually locally, and make it happen, which is pretty cool. You can you mm. might get an order for twenty for a cafe and start there and move move on mm. from that point. And that's what most of the guys have done. And they've turned them in. Like if check out Scan, like man, he's doing amazing things. Um, and. Uh, there's Industrious Design, who's another small uh, industrial design company here. They've been going for a long time, way longer than us. Um, okay. And yeah, but that's about it. <laughs> so mm. it's pretty small. But um, we're connected, you know, we're only a few hours that way and that way to Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah, it's um, a central location. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're lucky with bands and things or travel, you know, music. That was always the case, especially back in the day when mm. people would go from Sydney to Melbourne, they'd do a stopover and we'd get the. The, the international acts and things because of that mm. oh, cool well um what are your biggest challenges you found along the way starting a consultancy you know in in canberra or in general um what kind of advice would you give to someone looking to start their own consultancy um understanding the business side of things is obviously a big big part of it um <clears throat> and just depending on who you are you know how much confidence you've got the confidence I see confidence being a problem when we, I still do a little bit of teaching at uni, university here in Canberra. Uh, I see year after year where people feel like they just don't, you know, they, they don't know what, what, what's next or what to do or, you know, how to, how to attack a, a complete project mm. or even part of. Um, and starting your own business, the same thing. Can I actually do this? Am I good enough to be an industrial designer charging someone money or a, in a business for money uh, money and can I pull this off 
because mm. it looks pretty complex this thing that we're <laughs> and how are we going to get there we've got a year to do it or six months and and i think the biggest advice for that would be just to start simple if you can so it might be a simpler type of product there might be two parts rather than 180 mm. um that might be a, a general uh, way forward and um and also just giving it a go just mm. getting in there and understanding that you you're 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 actually way better than you imagined by the time you get out of uni. You've already got a certain type of brain that's been molded around a little bit in that design world. And there's a lot to say for that. Um, and people that are in a sales team or they're coming to you from a different point of view, um, you've already got that over a lot of people in that, in that area. And it's invaluable and it's worth an hourly rate and it's all those things sometimes you just don't know that you just don't you haven't seen that yet but you you already are you've already done design thinking you've already done a whole bunch of stuff that mm. that people are paying for and it's it's in there so yeah yeah i um when i graduated i had a few months where i didn't have a job and like to be honest i'm just like i get really um i get like cabin sick if i don't do something major in my like in my in my life so I just was like getting bored of waiting for the role to come up and just like basically went out and like started trying to like start a consultancy, basically um, not even start a consultancy, but just like get some experience some work. And I, I started to get work come in. Unfortunately, I didn't even get to go through any of it because then I ended up getting a job. But, um, you know, I don't know. I feel like it wasn't that hard necessarily to get work as a as a graduate. Like I just went around to a whole bunch of manufacturers and and um yeah different businesses that seemed like they maybe would need a designer for something and got again like got a few people who were like yeah I'd, I'd be happy to get get you on um doing some design for molds and in, in injection molding or like um I've got people who come to me with an idea that I just need someone to do the design work to get it to the point of manufacturing things like that and um you know like I probably would have had a bit of work if I had stayed in Brisbane um at the time so like I would say to anyone who's like in that stage where they're not really sure if they should um you know, move out on their own, even just like get a bit of work on the side just to, you know, get some more experience in that way, because then you probably would build yourself confidence because you would know you'd be able to do that bit of work that you've picked up. Mm. Yeah. And what you've done there, the reason why you got that job is because you were doing that. I, I would dare say, you know, mm. without you doing that initial uh, exploration into, you know, Hey, can I do this myself while you were doing that? you pick up a job that's that's not a coincidence i don't think mm. i think someone's seen that in you and you're like oh yeah this is great this let's do this you know um but yeah i think you think you've hit on something pretty big there which i think i've i was probably similar to you in that i just went out there and just you know asked questions and looked into um how i can do things myself or yeah. um also like I was always interested as a kid or growing up in, I, I kind of like the idea of also working um, behind the scenes in movies and things. Um, and I think that's the same of what maybe what you were doing by, by exploring and asking questions is uh, it's looking behind the curtain or looking behind mm. the camera and seeing what's, how things are made and how things are done. And that's, there's something really interesting about that. And I think mm. industrial designers have got that in them, you know? Um, and um by knowing more about how things are, uh, are created and made and come to life, you know, the, the better. And that's what we do, I think, you know? Yeah. I suppose in the same way, like as a, as a student, you kind of put um, professional designers who are in industry up on a pedestal. 
um, and you feel like you're not really anywhere, like you, you're going to really struggle to ever get to their level. But I found through the podcast that quite often these people are just everyday people that happen to have worked in the industry for many years, you know, and like right. anyone who puts the effort in is going to get there one day. And like, that's kind of like, that's one of the best thing I've learned from the podcast, like just to start um, not thinking of people on a pedestal kind of thing. Just think of everyone um, as, as a level that you might one day get to if you work at it. Um, but yeah, like I think as a, as a graduate, sometimes it can be daunting thinking, how are you ever going to stack up to these people who are already in industry? But you know, there's always going to be jobs that'll get you there. You just got to work at it. Yeah. And now you're already at that same pedestal you're talking about for other younger people saying, how's this guy doing this podcast? Like, I, I can't only imagine doing that. You know what I mean? You've already done it. You've already done, done a, a version of that, you know? Yeah. Um, And exactly like in 10 years, you'll be the, yeah. I couldn't imagine it. I was just, I was very much worried and scared and all those things, you know, as, as a lot of us go through. And I just, I remember getting to Breville going, there's no way. Like, look at that product over there, that beautiful toaster. And how do we, how do I go from this, this sketch to that? Like, I just couldn't, it just felt like such a massive leap, but just sitting in the process and doing it and being there for years and you start to see the mistakes and what works and what doesn't. Yeah. You just, um, you build and get somewhere one day and you suddenly look back and go, Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Um, do you see the industry in Canberra growing and maybe becoming Canberra becoming a design hub or do you think there's always going to be Sydney and Melbourne that are kind of up on that, that level? Maybe based purely on um, population, um, it might be always just that that bit smaller or whatever, but it might be similar to Brisbane um, in that there is the the big two, you know, um, Sydney and Melbourne, but um, Canberra government uh, is pretty good, but they're pumping money into things like um, Canberra Innovation Network, which is somewhere where entrepreneurs can go and every Wednesday, every first Wednesday of every month, um, there's pitches, one minute pitch of your business idea as an entrepreneur, um, and what happens is they usually get picked up if they're a, it's a, if it's a good idea or people respond to it, and they're mm. given like grants and stuff, and then they connect. I'm standing in the crowd with some marketing people and some social media guys, and then there's a manufacturing people hanging around, and so we're all there listening to these ideas, and then we all chat afterwards, and it's really good, and and the government spends a few million a year on that giving, and then certain people are asked to come back and um, pitch their product in a more formal way with a bit more kind of um, uh, content behind it. So, you know, what's your recommended retail price on this? What, what's your business plan? And then a part of that would usually be what is the product? And, you know, and that's where we step in and help, can help these clients go to that next meeting or that next level. Mm. And we create, you know, their first ever presentation of design and things uh, of what it is. Um, so that's pretty good. That's, that's, awesome. that's, good, that's awesome that yeah. they're putting the money into that. Yeah. It's really good. And what happens is we get, because we work for, we'll get into it in a minute, a bit later about what we do, but uh, we work for, um, you know, international companies, but also a little, lot like Nathan Catapult was saying, everywhere from your, your, your sort of mums and dads back biz, uh, backyard business right through to the international um, larger clients. And um, the, the smaller ones um, come to us and we can usually push, say, hey, your next step is to go back to Canberra Innovation because you need like this much money to then go to the next um, stage with us. Here is what that will cost from our point of view. Here is what that looks like. Go and talk to them about this and then they, they can get funding to come back to us. So that, that's pretty good. It's like 
that don't don't kind of go and get a loan from the bank to work with us. If you're a small business, you can actually go and ask for help from the government, which is, if there was more of that in Australia, I'm sure it'd be a good thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it keeps your business going as well because you have kind of that regular flow of, of startups and people who are interested in, you know, creating a product. Yeah. Exactly. Everyone benefits. Like then the guy who's prototyping a prototyping for us a few weeks later is benefiting from it and so is the you know manufacturer down the world doing uh, down the road doing some laser cutting for us or whatever it might be everyone definitely um uh, benefits and i think the government here understands that because what ultimately they're trying to do is create jobs and create um an environment down here of innovation and 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 stuff happening basically so if you can get that person and give them that bit of a push and they've got that extra 100k for the next year to to make that happen which they didn't have previously uh it might mean that they can employ five people a year after which is great for the government right and, yeah. and everyone else so it makes sense yeah. it just totally makes sense oh that's the thing only sometimes only small stimuluses can have such an effect on the greater economy i mean we've spoken about it in the podcast before but like the the loss of the australian um car manufacturing industry like had such an impact on on design manufacturing everything and like, um, I suppose things like this are in a small way kind of contributing to bringing some sort of capacity back to Australia. Mm. Yeah. And we don't want to be left behind, right? And we, we're, yeah, there's a lot of smart people here and we can do it. We just need, everyone needs help, everyone. Um, and it's not just a person sitting in a room coming up with an idea, creating a product and going to market. It's, it's a lot more than that. And, um, but yeah um but Canberra's definitely getting there it's Absolutely. it's it's definitely bubbling along and it's great and it's actually more livable these days and all that sort of stuff so yeah it's good oh, awesome but yeah what type of projects do you guys take on um and yeah like maybe a project that you've done recently that you'd like to talk to and yeah the challenges and the the benefits of it I don't know yeah, sure. okay. maybe I'll just quickly overview of forms a little bit uh so just so you know who we are so we been around for about seven six or seven years um so like i said we i started because kind of needed to and there wasn't much else in canberra and then got going and then quickly after that i uh, employed renee linson um and renee's still here and he's he's awesome he's a senior designer now and he um he's got furnished forever like i spoke about and he also has won a bunch of awards over the last few years so he were he won the um the Alessi International Alessi Award, and they flew him over there and stuff uh, recently. Yeah. That was that was pretty amazing. Um, and we've got Jack here now as well, who's a graduate from one or two years ago from um, Canberra. Um, and we've had a couple of the people here and there, but really it's just the three of us that do the daily work, and then um, we pull in other people when they're we're doing bigger jobs. So we we do stuff for government here as well, and when it's bigger and it's um, a, a longer time frame for the project, we. We pull in some contractors as well. Mm. Um, and, yeah, so we work with brands like uh, Curtis Stone, uh, that chef guy. He's over in L.A. We do all this, you know, a bunch of his help with his products, but a lot of his animations as well and packaging and uh, instruction booklets and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, uh, also in the U.S., uh, Cuisinart, uh, they're a big housewares brand, so we do their, their barbecue um sort of range um year in year out um and that's sort of the there's a few other bits and pieces that we do in the u.s um and the rest is mostly here so we do everything from like i say the government so the light rail project's the big one in canberra and we do a lot of their uh, visualization 
Um, we work with a company called Spatial Media, um, and we we partner with those guys, and we work. You know, we we do a whole bunch of the project, and they do a whole bunch, and we kind of they're big, so we get them their help. Um, and then we do yes, yeah, so we work for Asics at the moment. Um, Asics here in Australia, so we we're doing a bunch of bags for those guys at the moment. Uh, in the past, we've done bottles and things like just sports accessories because mm. all their shoes are done in um in Kobe still in, in Japan. Um, a little bit of stuff for Puma as well in, in the past. Um, and yeah, a whole bunch of what are we working on at the moment? Um, a big one lately has been on on a coffee. So they're here in Canberra, but um, they're, they're doing really well internationally and around Australia. And they're kind of Sasha, the CEO, is sort of the Justin Bieber at the moment of coffee in the world. Mm. It's like. He, it, and it's no joke he really is it's like wherever you go you kind of can't talk to him because he's got like a lineup of people that want to meet him and stuff yeah, um wow. we got yeah i went to a coffee expo in in melbourne last year and it was just like wow but yeah he, he they've got a company called nucleus and we do all their innovation coffee innovative products you know it's got the, the, the whole bunch of stuff that if you weren't really in the coffee you wouldn't even know what they did these things hmm. um but they've they're in athens today at the moment and they've just launched a product that we just designed for them we fast-tracked it and got them prototypes and stuff and it's just the winner of the the um of the big trophy every year that the um espresso coffee barista championships just won yesterday and he used the product well, wow. um, yeah, so that's how they launch. So great way to launch things, you know, that they've got that capacity. Um, so yeah, we've been delving deep on coffee, um, which is not a off to check out this coffee. Issue. Sounds good. Yeah, on a ONA and um and check out the Nucleus, which is the other brand, which this is what we, this is the stuff we do. And um, yeah, if you like coffee like we do, it's probably good because we can. Uh, I've still got my connections to Breville as well, um, and that's the, that's a whole bunch of coffee that goes on there. And then bridging into the, this stuff has been really good. And understanding coffee to a bit of a crazy level is mm. is a whole other world. Like anything, you know, when you mm. when you delve you delve deep enough into anything, it's like, oh wow, I thought I knew a bit about coffee, yeah, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, surely better than the Aldi Pod coffee machine I have at my work. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, I'd hope so. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah oh, that's awesome but, um, yeah but um you've you've moved obviously through the industry over a few years what major changes have you noticed in the industrial design community um that you'd like to talk about and what changes are you excited for in the future um i think um i left uni in 2004 um so what's that that's a, almost 20 years i've been in the industry so um i think the biggest thing was obviously technology changes so mm. i remember like the rendering style of coming out of well there wasn't any such thing as key shot but you'd render out of um a few other programs and it was like a certain style i remember the day that spotlight was invented was called i think it was spotlight and it just blew our minds and just looked made things look real all of a sudden mm. we're like whoa so then, and then there's just been those changes every few years which is always that's what i love about industrial design there's always something cool and new to, to see like music if you're into music mm. you know and like guitar pedals and things there's always something totally awesome to check out every <laughs> six months um and um so i think that's a big part of it and um the idea of um tracking so you know like 
carbon footprints and things like that that's that's getting big with with all the you know the access to data that we have now mm. so i remember we, we we tracked a project in third year from start of life to end of life as a project mm. um considering all things so getting it from china you know, sort of plane size fuel involved i really went deep on it i remember that we could do that back then which was 2002 or 2003 which is great now the level you can go into now is is amazing mm um so there's i think there's there's those things but um we uh, we've started using um the oculus in the last couple of years which has been pretty handy for us for the government work mostly mm. so we've got um government clients that we give oculus to and they can walk around the new design and cross the road and jump on a on a light rail so we've actually designed we've actually 3 d the built the whole uh, light rail system in in Canberra awesome. and you can get on the light rail itself and, and actually look around the light rail and walk up and down it and look out to see what it feels like to cross the bridge in mm. at the Commonwealth Bridge in Canberra which has never been done before and they can do it before they obviously you know do it uh, or, or construct it and kind of make decisions and go like well oh, that feels too high over that ledge <laughs> it didn't never really cross our minds and it's, so it's actually actually been like quite effective mm. I think things like the Oculus can be a bit of a gimmick sometimes. You buy one, you get it in your office, and you sort of it's been it collects dust after a bit. You wish it was more than that, but it mm. kind of isn't sometimes. Mm. Um, but we've actually used that that piece of kit a bit. Um, what do you use for the um, modeling of the space? Uh, for the whole the whole yeah. thing. Um, so we it's what happens is we usually receive data from the government. Mm. So that'll be from AACOM or one of the big you know. Um, engineering firms yep. so uh for usually um dwg 3d dwgs is what sort of the standard is um and we'll chuck that into um we'll chuck small details into SolarWorks and things like that and yep. and um and export them into whether it's if we're doing animation it might be um 3d cinema it might be uh it just depends on what we're doing with it at that point um for the oculus stuff we've got a we work with spatial media on a on a big kiosk that we give to the to the um, government and they can it's like it's like playing a computer game they can just walk through the city and they can wow. sort of touch screen it's really cool and they can you can look under the ground and see what the utilities are you can get on the light rail or the bus or be a person in a wheelchair or be a bicycle a cyclist click on the cyclist jump be in point of view of that person and go across the bridge or go around a corner that's just been designed and um you can take a video of that you can do really beautiful renderings from that they can email it to themselves it's, it's really cool mm. um for, the, for that all. kind of application vr makes so much sense yeah totally yeah and you just literally have the vr app and plug it in and it'll just it reads each other and it's it's amazing it just kind of works <laughs> which is nice oh, that's awesome yeah, we um obviously we've spoken about VR and AI extensively on the podcast. Um, and I feel like in a lot of ways it does feel like a gimmick. Like I used um Gravity Sketch for my final subject at um final assignment at uni. Um, just for this like I designed a motorbike in it and um did like the rest of it in SolidWorks and like combined it together. And it was it was an interesting process, but I found um. I don't know. I just don't think I could model like that regularly. Like it was, it was like mm. frying my brain for one. Every night I was going to sleep and I was just awake all night from the blue light. Um, and because I, because I, I spent so long to design the motorbike in like all the different parts of it, it just felt like it was too long in VR. Um, right. for that kind of thing, I don't, I don't really see it becoming a thing. But 
for yeah for visualization and um experiencing something in in the 3d space makes so much sense yeah mm. i mean you know the first five minutes that let's call it the first half an hour when you're grabbing the pen and you can walk yeah. through that thing you just yeah. drew and, it, and you're like oh this is it this yeah. is the future we, yeah, we're no, not no, going I, back i called up i borrowed my friend's um quest 2 and i called him up and i was like mate this is the future of 3d modeling and then i bought my own and then like a week later i was like i'm so over this <laughs> yeah yeah about yeah it's that time frame of like yeah. oh yeah yeah right i'm going back to solarworks or whatever and uh, yeah yeah it's funny isn't it i think um obviously that works really well for companies like oculus and stuff because that initial feeling is just mm. almost like addictive it's amazing you know and that's what that's when you do that purchase right mm. <laughs> you're in you've already paid your money and you're, yeah. you're 600 bucks and um but then unfortunately i might just sit on the on the um on the bench for for, mm. for a bit after that but um we it, it happened here in our office there we're we're a office where there's a whole bunch of different businesses here and um we kind of got caught onto the trend of it um because we saw other people using it so there's this guy here who's lived all around the world and he's quite a young guy and he runs his own software company and he was like check out this and it was we were having a go and um he was spending about seven hours a day at some point in in um in the oculus in um metaverse right yeah and because he he quickly figured out all the, the range of what you can use with that thing. So he was doing the office, he was doing all the teams meet in the virtual room. He had his avatar set up properly. We were just delving in and out of it, but he really used the whole thing properly. And um, he was doing, he'd look in his office and he had nothing in there. He didn't need it because he had his virtual desk. He had his virtual everything set up. And then suddenly you'd seen him be doing this and he's, he's having a live session with a guy in the U.S., uh a live you know gym session and stuff and then going back to work and it was it was so funny in some ways this is such a black mirror circumstance totally uh, yeah. yeah i don't know uh, if I, I don't know if i can do it like I, I like the idea in some ways like i i definitely see the appeal of remote work like it'd be nice to be able to work from home and i mean in industrial design it's not necessarily an option a lot of the time because you know it's a very collaborative field a lot of the time you need to have that contact with someone and for that way, I feel like VR is important and it could be interesting. But I still just don't know if I could do like seven, eight hours a day every day in VR. Like unless mm. it got really, really good and somehow didn't have any eye strain and didn't feel like you were looking at the screen. But yeah, yeah, I don't know if I could do it. Yeah, he, he doesn't anymore. Just like we don't. <laughs> yeah. But well, he, now he's buying the new uh the new Apple one, which when as soon as it comes out, I think so that, that one looks pretty amazing. So. so Yeah, that one looks insane, but three and a half grand... <laughs> yeah yeah full-blown computer yeah. yeah but um yeah what um aspirations do you have for your consultancy and you know where are you excited for the future um i think for us is uh working more with the the larger firms um uh, not just because uh of money and uh what comes along with that but the, the idea of um companies that understand why they are coming to you with a brief you know for industrial design they sometimes like asics already have a design uh sorry a, a product pipeline in a certain area um and they're looking for how to innovate for two years from now and they're planning and they understand kind of i guess budgets um and a whole bunch of other things and that's that's quite there's something quite nice about that because mm -hmm. you're locked into a part of that business and you're doing your bit the best as you can um and everyone 
from the get-go kind of understands what's what's next and 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 what's and um where, where we need to be and there's something really great about that um with this with the sort of smaller backyard kind of startup clients um we really enjoy it because every day is different and there's something there's always a new uh interesting product that comes along that we get to delve right into and work on but the sort of downside to it maybe is that um, sometimes is that as especially as a director or uh, a manager in design you spend half of your more than half of your life explaining what is next or what the industrial design process is or what industrial design even is um and that's great and you need to be doing that anyway but man some days you wish you didn't have to uh do it every day you know so um write a book so and yeah. be like, get here's this book read this and come back to me totally <laughs> yeah um and no one who most people that haven't ever delved delved into or, or used industrial designers really don't understand what's next and um and that's that's understandable so you, you just we're all educators you know you're, you're you're doing it already with this podcast um you start from probably first or second year of uni because you go and start telling your parents what the hell you know industrial designers mm. and we're doing it all the time all of us i think industrial designers because we're not just talking about the industry but we're talking about the newest latest coolest 3d software or whatever it is and we're always spreading industrial design in that way i think but um yeah, so I would like to think that in the next few years um, we sort of solidify um, some of the projects and some of the um, bigger clients that we already got, but just mm. make sure that they're really happy with what we do mm. um, and we're always doing a really amazing job for them. So mm. they want to come back to us. That's kind of that's kind of one part of the business. And um, I don't have very I don't have biggest aspirations of growing, growing, growing for growing's mm. sake. Um, I've, I've got friends and I've seen people that have got like, you know, over a hundred employers and they've worked hard and, um, and they've gotten to that level. And I don't, I, I can, I can see what that is and I can see what a small business is and I can, you know, and I can sort of look at it all and choose, I think sometimes, and I, I don't know where I'd want to be after <laughs> seeing all the differences. I've got two kids and, mm. um, I mountain bike ride and I want to do those things as well and, mm. and, and be an awesome industrial designer if I can be, if that's you know, and strive to that uh, and also have a really cool business. That's probably enough. Mm. <laughs> Anything outside of that starts to be like, it starts to stretch you a bit. So, um, yeah, it's good to know when when to focus on the things that are important. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All I wanted to do when I first started was to be a legitimate industrial designer. Uh, and, or, and then when we started in um, uh, Formswell, it was the same, but be a legitimate industrial design business and actually have people look at us, come to us and ask us for, you know, to do industrial design work for them and pull it off. Mm. And we've, we've done it for seven years and it's just, it's still a great feeling to be able to feel like you can do it. Mm. <laughs> You're so uncertain of it for so long. Um, and so we just want to get better and better at that. And we want to be trustworthy and we want to um, do a great job. And that's kind of what drives us, I think. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I suppose if you're really passionate about industrial design, it doesn't necessarily feel like a job a lot of the time. Like, it just kind of feels like you're doing something that you enjoy anyway and you're just making money from it. Um, yeah. And I suppose in your situation, you've kind of followed that dream and made it into a reality, which is great. Yeah, and trying to be grateful for it too is a big one. I think um, I walk downstairs and go for a coffee and see the construction site next door and see some of the tough jobs in freezing conditions down here in camp. It's, today is like... 
stupidly cold. I can see the snow on the mountains out here. And, well, you know, good. you're out there for eight hours a day and it's like, man, I'm lucky. <laughs> mm. I'm just going to grab my coffee and go back upstairs and get back into some sketching or some, yeah. you know, industrial design. Like, I, I'm so lucky. Like, I doesn't, I try to not forget that, you know. Mm. Um, and and for every day to be different, you know, like even could be still in, the, in an office environment and, you know, have it pretty good and um but i might be on spreadsheets all day or whatever i just mm. my brain couldn't a lot of us industrial designers probably couldn't even fathom that because we what we do is so broad and there's so many bits and pieces within that you know range of industrial design that um every day is different and, and that's how we like it right so mm. <laughs> i guess yeah um and um just being grateful that's a really good thing i think so mm. yeah my uh... it helps especially when sorry when it, when you're a first starting to and you might be on a quite a low wage in industrial design it helps at that level <laughs> he's like i'm not making enough money and uh, uh you know my rent's way too high for this yeah um yeah i mean when you start off it's 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 definitely for a passion because like there's there's jobs you could go into where you would get paid much more a lot more money but you know a lot of the time the people who actually pursue it and take and follow it as a career to the end they're not doing it for money they're doing it for passion and that's where that's where it differentiates at that point mm. absolutely I remember thinking that when I left uni, I was like, this is, I thought we we're going to make like hundred grand the first year. I think there's a lot of stuff that you don't get taught at uni that you probably should. Mm. One of them's like, Hey, the expectations on money, just, just, you need to wait. Mm. Um, but it can happen. Like, mm. you know, if you're successful enough, it's like, it can be much better than a lot of other professions. So mm. um, yeah, it's just concentrating on being good and, and enjoying it first. And then other things might come hopefully. So. Mm yeah um, that's great well yeah well thank you so much for coming on today dan might wrap it up there um but yeah it was awesome to have you on and awesome to learn more about your journey and how you've come to where you are today yeah no worries thanks so much for having me Roman. yeah and yeah keep keep following the podcast and you know it'd be awesome to get you back on another time to discuss design i um i had a group podcast the other day and it'd be really great to have another group podcast i was thinking with um a few consultancy um owners from different parts of australia all together in one room um, well, in one podcast and yeah i think it'd be interesting yeah. to hear you know the differences in different states and uh, the different journeys people have been on yeah it'd be awesome yeah, yeah. i would definitely um reach out to some canberra guys like skiing if i was you as well and uh, have a chat to those guys and um yeah that'd be awesome yeah, cool awesome thanks mate no worries thanks yeah. a lot